Well, you, you and I, we were meant to be free. And now God invites you to a soul-shaking, chain-breaking, life-giving adventure with your closest friends. We will share our stories of struggle and bravely explore the uncharted places of our soul. We will do this together and promise one another we won't stop until we are free. Liberation awaits. Today, freedom calls out your name. This is the way, the new way to be free. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Good. Let me pray for us real quick. God, I just beg of you today that in this moment, whether this is our first time uh, checking, out, checking out the claims of Christ, um, kicking tires, trying to discern this God thing's really uh, legit, or God, whether we'd be, we'd be someone who's gone down the road a lot further and, and really, uh, really grasp how God has given his life for us. We've, we've experienced his love, his grace, his, his freedom. God, we understand that in, in, in moments like this and days that we experience weekly, um, daily, that our enemy would stop at nothing to, to, um, to break us, to attach as many um, false statements about us, wrong views about you, God, to keep us stuck. And God, I believe with all my heart, you designed us for freedom in you. You designed us to have life in you. And God, I just pray that this morning, wherever we are at, whoever we are, God, we would see ourselves in a masterful story of a God who who has been from the beginning of time till now winning us back, loving us back, so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us clearly today. Lead us, lead us all, God, to kind of a moment where we hear from you and we take a step towards you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to jump right in this morning. i got a lot I want to share with you today. I'm very, very excited. Coming out of last, week, uh, last week's conversation, uh, coming out of last week's kickoff to our freeway groups, and again, many of you just came in. And I want to just say clearly again, it's not too late to sign up for one of our freeway groups. We really do believe that Sunday morning is not the best place for you to grow. It's really not. Growth really does happen in the context of relationships. It really does happen in the context of uh, connecting with others. Relationships in the context of finding the truth of God's Word is really where you grow. So we're, we're really, really big around here. You hear us talk about this yearly, uh, monthly, hopefully weekly, where we try to, try to push you out of just the Sunday morning deal into getting into some relationships with people that are going towards just understanding who God is in their life. So I really want to encourage you, if you haven't found a freeway group, one of our small groups, definitely do that. We've got information out here in our uh, connections desk area on your way out. Um, I want to jump right in this week. And revisit a verse that we are, we are looking at is basically the theme verse, the whole idea. 
the big arching, big picture perspective of this series. And I want us to, I want us to memorize this first because I feel like this is something we would want to latch onto, something we'd want to memorize, something we'd, we'd, we'd want to have in our hearts and our minds to help us, to help us really grasp the truth of this matter because ultimately, uh, truth changes everything. So I want to show you this verse. It's Galatians 5.1. You guys got little cards last week. I hope you took those cards. Um, hope you put those in your pocket. Hope you hang on to those. And we're going to continue to walk through this verse from week to week as we go through this series. Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the, by the, the, by the yoke of slavery. We, we live in a world where we really do have an arched rival who has known you from birth, and he would stop at nothing to squelch and squash the connection that God longs to have with his creation, which is us. He would stop at nothing at doing that. Now, this morning, the route we're going to go in this conversation really just looks at the idea of awareness. Um, how many guys have ever been lied to before? Raise your hand. You've been lied to before. What did you feel like when you were lied to? Just blurt it out. What did you feel like when you were lied to? What did, what did it feel like? Anybody make you, it didn't make you mad? How about betrayal? You ever feel, feel like I was lied to and I felt so betrayed? As it, in your case, our case, has, was it ever a long, lengthy lie? Over a long period of time, you realize I've been lied to. Being lied to, I mean, it really does. It, it, it is something that just, it, it, it hurts. It makes us angry. It causes us to, to believe certain things, especially if you've been lied to over a lengthy period of time. But here's the, here's the, here's the truth of the matter. When you discover the truth, the truth changes everything. This one of you got some, some sermon notes, a uh, little thing. How many of you guys got one of these on the way, way in? If you got one, wave it, wave it to me. Wave it really high. They're also good for fanning yourself, all right? You guys do hear the, uh, the sprinkler on the roof right now? You guys know what that's for? To keep things cool in here? We, uh, although this morning it got a little fall weather-ish out, that feels mighty good. I've been so thrilled that it's gotten a little cooler, but we still got the fan up. We know uh, with, our, with our group of people that show up every week in all of, all of our services, it gets a little warm in here in time, so feel free to use these things to take notes. Uh, I love the, the nice comedy, uh, draw a picture of me. Thank you, um, Cinnamon, who works in our office. Appreciate that. Scribble here, doodle here. But on the back side, I want you to jot some things down today. I want you to write some of the truths down today. I want you to write this first thing down. I want you to write down the truth changes everything. It really does. I don't know if we really grasp this, but if, you've, if you can grasp that you've been lied to, sometimes... When you can get to the place of understanding that, okay, I've been believing maybe a lie about myself, about God. When you can really grab hold of the truth, the truth changes everything. When a truth is discovered, when you really discover a truth, it changes how you see people, doesn't it? It changes how you see the circumstance. When we discover the truth, it changes everything. I remember the first time, when I was a little kid, I was scared to death of the movie The Wizard of Oz. I really was. I was scared of the movie. <laughs> Anybody scared of The Wizard of Oz when you were a kid? I was scared of The Wizard of Oz when I was a kid. And I just remember the big scene. You remember the scene? The big, scary, green head, 
guy like Oz, the great Wizard of Oz, right? You remember the story? Dorothy and Toto, the whole deal, they're trying to find their way out of the Wizard of Oz, right? They had to go through this guy. This is the big, scary, audacious, the great Wizard of Oz. And then all of a sudden, towards the later part of the movie somewhere, they're trying to figure out how to get out of the Oz, gone through all the paces. And then Toto runs back and pulls back the curtain, right? Dorothy figures out they've been lied to. There's not this great Oz. It's just some little bitty guy, right? Behind the, the little sneaky guy behind the curtain that has been creating this whole masterful piece of just straight-up lies. And all of a sudden, you realize, okay, this is not the deal. We've been lied to. Now, when we become aware that we have been lied to, all of a sudden, light bulbs go off, and we can then at that point start discerning the truth. You guys, yeah, we can drop that. Um, Dorothy isn't the only one who's been lied, who's been lied to. We have all been lied to. The guy who uh, wrote the workbook, our freeway workbook, is an author. His name is Mike Foster. He's authored other books. But he, he worked through this workbook, and, and, and the reason he worked through uh, creating this workbook, this curriculum, the thing that we're going through as a church right now, is because he got to a place in his life where he understood there was some junk that he'd bought into that he'd been believing. I want to show you a quote. He says this. It says, Our freedom surprisingly starts when we become aware of the great cover-up. If we want to be free, we must be aware of the troublemaking con man in the scenes, behind the scenes. Our freedom comes from becoming aware. Now, I lived, I lived this moment this last week of of like thinking something, something, that I, I was thinking something was and it wasn't. This last week I was uh, working on making a video for all our small groups that would meet throughout the week. Um, if you've already been in one of our life, uh, our freeway groups, you know that we're starting these off with one of the leaders, pastors in our church kind of kicking off the conversation. So this week it was my turn. So I'm going to make a video and I'm going, my video is going to be the best ever, all right? Richard Moore's video was great. It was nice. He kind of set the conversation off, but I was feeling a little competitive. Like, I'm going to really make something that sticks. Like, I don't want anyone to forget this idea of when we're aware of things, it really does, that's the, that's the point of really becoming free, right? When you were aware of where we're at, when we're aware of what's going on around us, when we're aware of what's going on in us, that's where freedom begins. And so I, I thought, all right, I'm going to get up, um, do something at my house, and I climbed up in this tree stand uh, in my backyard and camouflage. Now, how many of you guys know it's like hunting season right now? So I'm like, nobody? How many of you guys know it's hunting season right now? All right, so yeah, all right, maybe if you're California, you're like, oh, he just said hunting? Yeah, you're in the south. It's cool to say around here. It's all good. So anyways, I wasn't hunting. I was, I was climbing up into this tree stand that is the starting point of my zip line that we have at my house. We, we created this thing for my kids and some of you guys have been over before, and we've ziplined down this thing. And I want to show you what it looks like. So I started making this video, and here's, the, here's what we were doing. I was up in the zipline, and I'm not going to tell you all about the video, but this is what it was looking like. I'm holding the iPad. We have a brake on the end that slows you down before you run into the tree. Now, I had tried and tried and tried and tried to sit up in this tree stand and make this video, and I was trying to talk all cool and, and really kind of make a point so you would leverage the starting point of this conversation for your, for your small group. Why did it get really dark in this room? Can you guys turn those lights back up out there? Oh, because you, you're about to show another video. Okay. So 
don't show that one just yet. All, right, all of a sudden, I just couldn't see anybody, all right? Y'all out there? Okay, good. So, so that's what it looked like. That's what my wife was filming as I was up in the tree stand making a video with holding the iPad, talking. But after seven or eight takes, I forgot, I forgot to hook the brake up. You saw how fast I was going, right? So let me show you how not being aware, like I'm talking, trying to make a video about if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And I'm saying, come on, join the freeway, take a leap with me. And I jump off and I'm like zipping down and I'm holding the iPad going, come on, join the freeway, right? And all of a sudden, this is what happened. <clears throat> so what do you say tonight? We just take a leap, take a leap together. Want to do it? Come on. Wasn't a very Where good video, but. Oh, take a guess, baby. Here we go. We're on a zip line. Come on. Take a leap. Join the free ride, baby. Join the free ride. Join the free ride. What's up? Here comes What's the tree. Up? No brakes. Yeah. Let's all be aware, people. Wait, look. This is 10 minutes later. 10 minutes later. <laughs> oh my gosh. Still on? <laughs> it's still on. Unbelievable. All right. So, so I hung there for like five minutes because my wife had got tired of me doing retake after retake after retake. I never hooked the bungee back up. And I'm hanging there. And I'm in this harness going, help. Somebody unhooked me. So she finally came out and I thought, as funny as this is, it was, it was hilarious. I was limpless. I was like in shock for a long while. I'm pretty bruised up. I am playing in the kickball game today, no matter what. All right. But here's the deal. So many of us, we can learn from this, right? I'm making the video about being aware and I'm missing blind spots. I'm missing blind spots. I promise you, I promise you, wherever you are at, our enemy has been lying to you about who you are and who God is. This series, today's conversation, is, is, is designed, is set up just to help us get to the place to understand and believe that maybe, just maybe, there's some areas of my life that I have bought into some things that are not true. Because when we understand the truth, the truth changes everything. Let me write, this, write this down. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. <laughs> A lie believed as truth, it's not true. But if you believe a lie as it is supposedly true, but it's false, it will affect you as if it were true. A lie believed as truth will affect you as if it were true. How many of you guys have ever heard of the placebo effect? Anybody ever heard? Raise your hand. 
You heard of the placebo effect? I've never heard of it before until my wife told me this week. And I said, I'm trying to come up with this idea how we can buy into something that's not true and believe it's true and how it affects us. She's like, oh, placebo effect. Look it up. I'm like, all right, looked it up. And I read article after article after article about how, how doctors on purpose play with just trying to figure out the, the, the mind of people. And they will, they will give someone medicine, but it's not really medicine. It's nothing. Like I read one article about someone who had, had asthma issues, and they gave them an inhaler with nothing in it, nothing in it whatsoever, but just fake air or real air, but fake medicine, right? Just, all right, track with me. I'm still a little dizzy from Thursday. But they puff on this puffer. And they report back weeks later to the doctor that it's helping them. They feel better. That's the placebo effect. The reverse is true. Our enemy will lie to you and I. And we, the, it's, it's a complete lie. It's not true. And we will over time believe it. Let me show you this verse. John eight forty four. it says this. The devil was a murderer from the beginning. From the beginning of time until now. The number one enemy of mankind, the number one enemy of God is a murderer and from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. Because when he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you remember Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve, what was the very first real battle they experienced? It was the lie. The enemy lied to him, lied to, lied to Adam, lied to Eve, tried his best to, to cause them to distrust God. His goal was to discredit God and to separate them from the one who loved them. That's been his goal ever since then. The lie of our enemy is always going to go back to him lying about you and him lying about God. And if, if we along the way in life believe even a smidgen of whatever he says, he's done his job. He's great at it. It's the only thing he does. Satan has spent his entire life doing nothing but working on his craft. Think about that. How many of you guys wish you could master your craft of whatever it is you do? I saw a guy recently that made the most incredible canoe, the most beautiful wood handcrafted canoe. I mean, imagine if you could spend an entire lifetime on just perfecting one thing. Our enemy has spent his entire lifetime perfecting the art of messing you up. He exists to crush us and hurt and separate us from God who loves us. But when we, know, when we expose the lies, when we can expose what he's lying about, then and only then can we begin to know the truth. Philippians 4.8 says this. It's one of my favorite verses. It helps me tremendously throughout the week. It says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are right, Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what does the last part of that say? It says, think on, help me out here, think on, think on such things. Why? Because there's a battle going on. What does Scripture say? Scripture says, guard your hearts. Why? Because it's a, in it is a wellspring of life. Guard your hearts, guard your minds. Because in it is the wellspring of life. Our enemy knows exactly how to go after us. He knows exactly what to say to you based on your history, based on what your dad said. I can remember a statement. I have a wonderful father. This is nothing negative for my dad. I have a wonderful dad. But I can remember him one day. We were working out in the yard, and I was just lollygagging around. I wasn't working very hard. I was being lazy. It was like a Saturday morning. I wanted to go to the beach with my buddies. I was like 14 years old. I wanted to go. He needed help. And I remember he got really, really mad at me because I was just, I wasn't doing anything. I was kind of mouthing off a little bit. And he yelled at me and he said, he said, just, just get out of my face. If you're going to work like a girl, go inside and work with the girls. I remember that. I mean, I've never forgotten that. And I know I'm not a girl. I don't wrestle with those tendencies. All right. I know who I am. But I've, I've remembered that. And I can tell you there's a dozen little things like that in my lifetime of what people said about me and what I thought about me. And I've always had to, in my lifetime, I've had to find ways to discern what's the truth. This verse helps me with that. Let me ask you this. Is anything in this verse something that the enemy would want you to know? Anything in this verse, is, would, would, would anything in this verse be something that the enemy would be lying to you about? Would he say, hey, you should... Think about what's true. Has he ever said that to you? You should think about what's noble. You should think about what's right. He's never said those things. You should think about pure things. You should think about heavenly things, lovely things, admirable things, praise. He doesn't say that. So when I all of a sudden am hearing junk and stuff's getting in my head, if it's anything contrary to this, I know it's a what? It's a lie. But how often, if you're like me, how often throughout the day, I'm trying to do what I feel like God's leading me to do, and my enemy's trying to get me off course. He's a master at getting in our heads. The enemy wants to get in your head. When I think about that, um, just a few weeks ago, I did something that we had planned for a long time. We wanted to go up and see Tim Hudson, who played with the Braves. We wanted to see him play as a uh, San Francisco Giant. So we waited till he flew over East Coast, wanted a cheaper plane flight. We, wa- we got to see Tim Hudson play in Detroit. So just a couple weeks ago, I took my son and a couple other dads, took their boys, took my boy to a baseball park. Man, it was the greatest experience. We got to see two back-to-back games, didn't see Hudson play. He played the third day. We were back in church on Sunday because I'm a preacher. That's what we do. It's how we roll. It's a joke. Um, anyways, so in that, in that game, all the boys, I mean, they'd seen baseball, and, and we ended up getting all the way down behind the, behind the uh, dugout, so we're like right there in the game. It was the best ever. Um, we had a long rain out, and the game started like, like two or three hours later, so most everybody had gone. It was just us, but it was us and like a bunch of other uh, opposing teammates behind us, uh, Detroit Tigers behind us, and so my, my, my son and the other boys got to where they were heckling, right? They, they were hearing other people heckle, and my son doesn't really know much about that. But every now and then, he would say something funny. And so I started trying to say funny stuff to the batters. And I'd 
just try to say funny stuff. And my son got to repeat me. So I'd say, J.D., say this. And he'd repeat it. So I don't have a whole lot of one-liners. But we, you know, like, you better pack a lunch because you're going to go home empty-handed. Doesn't make any sense, right? But J.D. would say, you better pack a lunch. His voice is still really high. Because you're going to go home empty-handed. So he'd say all this stuff. So we did this for like 30 minutes, and it just, we were cracking up. But the people behind us didn't like it. So all of a sudden, they started saying stuff to our batters, the Giants batters, and they got up. And I got to tell you some of the things that the guy was saying. I, I, I looked some of the, I looked up like, the great, greatest ways, greatest things to say to say to a batter. And I jotted these down, and I'm, I'm 90% sure the guy behind us was the greatest heckler of all times because we were rolling in laughter as he was trying to mess up the Giants batters. Here's some of the stuff that I was hearing. Hey, batter, I've seen better cuts on a deli. Okay. Hey, batter, give him a hall pass. He's late. Uh, here's a good one. Hey, batter, you've had fewer hits of vanilla ice. Come on, that was funny, all right? <laughs> hey, batter, that was a Louisiana pitch. It was Bayou. Bayou. All right, here's another one. Cork. Okay. Um, nice hack, OJ. Yeah, I know. All right. Hey, batter, Ben Affleck's a better Batman than you. Oh, that was funny. Hey, batter, bring out the jelly because you're jammed. You could use these, all right? When you, next time you go to a game, they're all good. All right. Hey, batter, keep batting because the breeze feels awesome. This is my favorite. Here's the deal. This guy was heckling, and I promise you, a couple of the best Giants batters were just warming up. They were just warming up. And this guy was saying junk, and one of the guys turned around and like gave him like a look like, you better shut up. He got in these guys' heads. And here's the deal. When you believe a lie, lies lead to bondage. When you believe a lie, write that down. Lies, lies lead to bondage. See, I really don't think the larger percentage of us really believe that we bought into a lie. But if we understood Scripture and we said, I'm going to believe God's Word and take it for what it's worth, that I'm going to have to believe that there really is an enemy of God who hates me, he wants to destroy everything about me, and he wants to destroy my connection with and my desire and my understanding of how much God loves me. He wants to strip everything that you could possibly believe about what God thinks of us. He wants to take it all away. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you four of what I think are some of the biggest lies we believe. All right, I want to, I want to, I want to pull back the cover. I want to go, you know, Dorothy on us for just a moment. That sounds like, I just said, like, I'm going to go Alice on a baseball swing. I, wanna, I want us to pull back the curtain and just really understand some of the lies that we believe. The number one thing I think that Satan goes after is self-lies. I think he goes after self-lies, number one, because if he can get inside of us, if he can heckle us, if he can get in our heads, he can really steer us off from a whole lot of things that God's prepared for us. He can keep us in bondage, even if you only believe part of some of these untruths. I think he says to us often, I'm worthless. I'm worthless. How many of you guys ever gotten mad at yourself and said, that's so stupid. You're an idiot. I've said that to myself way too many more times than I care to admit. I, will, I am brutal when I do something stupid. I will call myself names. In fact, I even think I sucker punched myself one time I was mad at myself in the mirror. That's pretty, I know it's weird. I've, other, I've heard other people doing that also. 
We believe the lie of the enemy. And he will often say, you're worthless. You don't have what it takes. You are not able. And we oftentimes compare ourselves, especially with our new world of Facebook and social media, we compare our everyday footage to others' others' highlight reels. (laughs) But here's the truth. Psalms 139.14 says this, that I am, you are, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's the truth. The truth is, you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is the truth. That sounds so simple, doesn't it? But can I just tell you, the larger percentage of your days are spent probably not even recognizing, not even fielding, not even paying attention to the little small subtle lies the enemy sends our way. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Self lies, I'm worthless. I'm not enough. Here's one, I'll never change. I'll never change. Anybody ever believe that? I still tell myself, I'm not getting far enough right now. God, I should be further, and that's a lie too. I, like last week, we, I, I talked last week, and I do this often. I'll go, like the prodigal son, I'll go, I'll go younger brother, and I'll know I've blown it, and I'll hang my head in shame. And I'm being lied to, feeling shamed by God, and God's going, no, 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 no. Remember, the father received him back. He didn't have to craft a wonderful statement for God to let him back in or the, older, the father to let him come home. Father, father just opened his arms up and said, just come on, buddy. You're my son. You're my son. You're my friend. I hang my head, head in shame oftentimes. Oftentimes I'll go flip-flop and I'll act like the older brother and I'll be judgmental, judgmental of me or judgmental of others. And I'll raise my head in pride. I do the head down, head up deal, and I flip-flop back and forth throughout the week, throughout the day. Both oftentimes allowing little sneaky subtle lies to erode what God believes of me. I'll never change. I'll never change. Here's another lie. They're the problem, not me. (laughs) No one's smiling on that one. I guarantee you throughout the day, when we have problems, we would rather not assume it's us. A few weeks back, we had uh, our advisory team, uh, men and families made up of people in our church who kind of like a, a leadership board that helps make decisions in, in some of the endeavors that we do at the church, land, purchase, and things like that, direction and encouragement and help for, for our church staff. Um, we had dinner at one of, the, one of our advisory team's uh, members' house, and uh, someone walked in the house with dog poop on their shoes. And so around the dining room table, unbeknownst to us, we're eating a wonderfully cooked meal, but nobody would say something that that it smelled like poop. (laughs) I'm telling you, we sat there and we're eating going, this is so good, you cooked the greatest meal ever, it's awesome. I think I was the first person that said, y'all, I can't deny any longer, something stinks, what is it? Right? We're all going... I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And it's like, okay, no one passed gas. This is, this is worse than that. <laughs> Nobody could have done this. Someone check your shoes. And so literally, this went on for like 45 minutes. 
We check shoes, you know, everything's under the table. So we began to think we accused their dog of doing something and they were offended. Like they were offended. Like their dog had never, ever pooped in the house. We're like, well, the dog threw up. The dog did something. So we went on for the longest of time until finally we all went outside. Everybody got their shoes completely in good visibility. And one of the guys had dog poop on their shoe. And so we we, we rinsed it all off. But then it was a complete debate because he came in from his minivan. There was no dog poop in the floorboard. He parked in the driveway. There was no piles from the driveway through the walkway into the house. So we said, if it had come from his house, it had been in his minivan. But it couldn't have. So we accused him of this guy's dog doing it. But there was no pile of poop in the house. And what was so funny, wherever this guy went with dog poop on him, the stink followed him. (laughs) How many of you guys realize we say, your problem's not your problem, you are your problem. This guy, he couldn't get the stink off of him. He just followed around wherever he went. That's oftentimes what happens in our lives. And the lie is, is that you are not the problem. But really, we, 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 we are oftentimes our biggest issue and our biggest problem. We just don't, don't, we don't recognize how the enemies lied to us. The second thing is, one of the biggest lies is worldly lies. Worldly lies. More will make me happy. More will make me happy. That's a lie. It's a lie. We oftentimes think if I had one more of those, a better one of these, a newer one of that, that it will make us happier. I pulled up to a guy's house yesterday picking my son up um, swimming at a neighborhood pool, except they'd gone back to the, the, the family's house afterwards. And I pulled up, and he had an awesome, cool, jacked-up Jeep, Jeep with big tires, had an awesome, cool motorcycle, and I walked up, and I was like, man, I'm looking at my old raggedy, wait, I don't have a raggedy truck. I got a, oh yeah, I got rid of the Prius. I forgot I got a pickup truck now, right? I'm thinking about my not raggedy truck, thinking my raggedy truck because I like this guy's Jeep and his, his motorcycle. I mean, how often do we think something else is lacking from our life, and I need something else out there? The enemy often lies to us and says more will make us happier. How many of you guys have ever noticed, oddly enough, that when someone has an affair, it's usually with an uglier person? Why is that? Why is that? You guys, I don't know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So-and-so had an affair, and you're like, ooh, why did, she, why did he do that? She's ugly. Wow. How did that happen? <laughs> We've been lied to. We've been lied to. More, something else that I'm lacking always looks better, does it not? Our enemy lies and lies and lies, worldly lies. We oftentimes are lied to when we say life isn't fair. My kids ask this all the time. They're like, Dad, why can't we have that? Daddy, why can't we do that? I mean, it's, it's, it's from, from birth till now, we're no different than our kids. We feel entitled to. We somehow just feel like, I deserve that. And it's a trap. It's a complete trap. It's a lie of the enemy, and it always ends up being an empty place. Here's another lie. My performance determines my self-worth. How many guys are performers here? You're a performer. 
I mean, you, you live to do whatever you do like as best as you possibly can. And we should. But there's a trap in that too, isn't there? There's a trap in that. Did the lights go out in the back somehow? There we go. There's a trap in always trying to perform for, for your self-worth. The enemy lies to us and tells us, is, is if you will do this better, they will love you more. There are marriage lies. Another big lie of the enemy is marriage lies. And we could say these are relational lies, but I just, I just know this in terms of marriages that I have seen and, and, and counseling that I have done. Here's one that we hear oftentimes. My spouse is the problem. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I've counseled somebody where they always say, it's not me, it's them. <laughs> I mean, I, that's... 90% of the time. We don't look at ourselves as a problem. We look at somebody else as a problem. My spouse is the problem. Here's one that we hear. I married the wrong person. Did you think about it all on your own? No, you didn't. You didn't think of that all on your own. Whatsoever things are noble, lovely, pure, honest, admirable, think on these things who sent you that thought? Did you get it all by yourself? I don't think so. We are lied to more than we know. I married the wrong person. My spouse owes me. They owe me. I've been performing these duties, and because I've been doing so well at them, you owe me. <laughs> I, see, I see people doing this right now. Easy, okay, all right? Here's some other lies, religious lies. Religious lies. I've got to perform for God's love. Man, that's a trap. It's a trap in the church today like it's never been before. That is his greatest lie. I've got to earn God's love. Here's one that, that he sneaks in very often. God hates the sin, and you've heard the statement, God hates the sin and loves the sinner. The enemy says God hates the sin and the sinner. Why do you think people want to run from church? Why do you think people feel like when they walk through the front door of the church, they got to check their baggage outside? Why do you think that the average church person feels like if they find out who I really am, they won't love me? That's an enemy. That's a lie of the enemy. He's hitting on all fronts. He's lying to you. He's lying about God. And what, what do we do at that point? We say, I'll never change. I should be further along than where I'm at. And what do we do? We go like, like the younger brother last week. We run further and further and further. Till we're so far, we think we can't come back. And all along the way, we've been believing a lie. God has been saying all along the way, you are my son you are my daughter. You are my friend. I love you. We have believed more lies than we can ever realize. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold on to what I've been saying, if you hang on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. If you're hanging on to what I'm saying, the word disciples is one who follows. If you hold on to my teachings, it says, 
then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God's word can set us free. God wants to set you and I free. He wants to release us. He wants to bring us to a place of freedom. Lies will put you in bondage, but the truth will set you free. The enemy says your marriage is over. The truth is God is the great restorer. He takes broken pieces and puts them back together. That's what God does. He's a master at fixing things. He's been taking a broken, bruised, messed up, jacked up, decaying, losing ground world. And for every person that recognizes who he is and what he's done and the freedom and the hope and the grace and the forgiveness that he offers, he's, he's restoring you and I. Not just in, in life after life in heaven, but like here in this world right now. God's wanting to have you believe in him so much that you place your complete hope in him that he could, he could solve some things in your life. He could, he could mend some wounded, wounded hearts. He could lead you back to being in deep, wonderful, awesome, loving relationship and connection with him. But you've got to believe the truth. Your marriage is not over. The truth is God's a great restorer. The enemy says God could never love you after what you've done. The truth is God could never stop loving you. The enemy says you're worthless. The truth is, if you want to know what something's worth, then all you've got to look at what, what, what someone is willing to pay for it. Am I right? If you want to know what something's worth, look no further than what, what someone's willing to pay for it. You're not a scratch and dent item. You are worth his blood. The Savior of the world said you're worth it. I'm going to give my life to prove to you once and for all so you'd never be confused. I'm going to shed my blood. I'm going to give my life. Like we, we talked and studied through the book of Philippians last month. It said, for the joy before him, he went to the cross. It was a joy of Jesus to end his human life and shed his blood for us to live in freedom through him. Is that not, does that not blow your mind? Some of you today have been believing some sneaky, terrible lies about yourself, about your life, and about our Savior. And I believe over the next five weeks, if you and I will begin right now inserting some of these truths, recognizing that there are some serious things you believe, you've been believing that are lies, and that you would start saying, Jesus, I recognize you love me. Jesus, I recognize you died for me. Jesus, thank you for loving me regardless of what I've done in the past. If we will start acknowledging that to God, if we'll start remembering how we've been lied to and allowing God to love us and minister to our hearts, 
and start taking steps towards him like getting in a group. Memorizing this scripture with us. Throughout the week, combating these lies with some truths. Some of the things we've wrote down today in our notes. I'm telling you, over the next several weeks, we could really fi- start finding some freedom around here. We really could. We really could. Some of you are saying, I, I just don't know if I'll ever change. You can. Not on your own, but through what Christ can do through you. Scripture says that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the renewing of our hearts. How? Through Christ. Christ in us. I want to end with this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you and I are in Christ, if he's in us, the moment we say, Christ Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you took the sin of the world. I believe you took my junk. My baggage, my issues, my flaws, my character issues, my, my dilemma, my struggle, my circumstance, I believe you took that off of me and you took that and made a sacrifice so I didn't have to sacrifice. Jesus, I believe you did that for me. When we do that, the Bible says that, we, that the new creation has come, that God wants to make us brand new. The old is gone the new is there. God wants to make us new. He is making all things new, but only through Him. Only through Him. So if this is you today, and you're saying, wow, light bulbs are going off. I need Jesus. Can I just say to you today, maybe God had you here today that you would just you'd kind of let down your guard. And you would just, in the moments ahead when we worship you would just surrender your heart to Christ. You'd say, God, I need you today. Save me. God, I need you today. Forgive me. Forgive me, God. Let me be your son. Let me be in your family. And here's the great news. There's no work on our end. He already did the work. There's no effort on our part. He made all the effort. All we do is just believe. Start following. Start trusting. Start surrendering. Just start with Jesus. Just Jesus. No other answer. No other name. Just Jesus. Pray with me. God, I, I, I just ask that in the moments ahead as we worship, as we take time today and we just really celebrate and say thank you for what you've done. God, I, I just beg of you, God, that you would you would use these words from your scripture. God, that you would lead us back to you. God, I pray you would illuminate for us the areas that we have been believing some lies. I pray that we would open our hearts to you today. We'd open our hearts to allowing you to to slip back in. Areas of our hearts that we've closed off because we believe some things that weren't true. Some areas of our heart that we've closed off because we thought something different about you. God, we recognize that you love us. God, we recognize that you offer an endless amount of hope. You offer an endless amount of forgiveness. You offer an endless amount of grace. God, all we need to do is just come to you. So Lord, I pray that we would surrender this next few moments to you. God, we just uh, thank you for loving us more than we deserve. 
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together one more time this morning. We're still mixing things up. We're going to close.